Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. I love the straightforwardness and the simplicity that, that he uses to teach. His teachings are very simple for everybody to understand. If it hadn't been for this ministry, I don't know where I would be. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Monday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. Again this week, I'm dealing with a subject that I've chosen to entitle, Where Do We Go From Here? Uh, Lessons from the 2020 Elections. And I've said this already, but if you're watching in another country, this still applies to you because we're just fighting the devil. There is a battle between light and dark all over the world. And even though the things I'm going to be talking about kind of center around some of the things that we've seen here in the 2020 elections in the United States. This applies worldwide, and I believe it'll bless you and help you. And praise God, the body of Christ has to stand up and push back against this ungodliness. And so one of the major things, the main thing that I talked about last week was that America is in a moral crisis, and our elections reveal that because the vast, well, let me say, the majority of Americans voted against everything that the Bible and Christianity stands for. And that is like taking the pulse of America and the majority of Americans now have a very weak moral pulse. They voted for abortion even up until and after birth. They voted for transgenderism. They voted for homosexuality. They voted for anarchy. They voted against the rule of law. And on and on we could go. And I'm not here to sit there and debate each one of these things. What I'm trying to do is to say that here's some lessons we've got to learn. And that is that America is in worse shape than I thought we were. I honestly was hoping for a conservative landslide while the Polls were predicting a liberal landslide. Uh, they didn't get that. It wasn't as bad. They, the pollsters missed it again. I don't know why anybody listens to the pollsters in the first place. So it wasn't as bad as it could have been. But nonetheless, there was over 72 million Americans who voted for things that are completely contrary to the Word of God. And one of the things that it did was shocked me. I thought we were going to have a much higher percentage of people that understood the battle and what was at stake and what was going on. But it, it, one of the lessons to learn is that things are worse than what I thought they were. And you know, a lot of it is I minister here in the Bible college. I minister when I travel and hold meetings and conferences. And the people who come are people who are believers and they are receiving the Word of God. And man, they are just fanatical and fired up about God and love God. And I must admit, I spend the vast majority of my time around those people. But it shocked me to see how far the nation has gone because this was the clearest choice between light and dark, good and evil, that has ever been presented in my lifetime. And I was just shocked at how many people chose darkness and evil over light. This is a fulfillment, really, of a prophecy that Isaiah made in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, where he says the days will come when they call good evil and evil good, light dark and dark light, sweet bitter and bitter sweet. In other words, everything will be completely reversed. And that's the way it is today. I mean, it is amazing. 
If you sit there and you want to save a child's life through standing against abortion, then they look at you as you are, you're harsh and you're mean. But killing a baby, oh, that's, that's a God thing. That's a great thing to do. That is, that is the moral high ground. Man, that's calling evil good and good evil. And so anyway, I've been dealing with all that. Last Friday, I start, I used the scriptures out of Ephesians, or excuse me, Ezekiel. It was Ezekiel chapter 3 that I used those verses where it talked about Ezekiel being a watchman on the wall. And God said, it, it's like a, if a person, you know, a sentry, a lookout on the wall saw the enemy coming. And if you don't warn the people of what, you know, that the enemy's coming, well, then they may be overcome, but their blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn them and if they don't take notice and follow your instructions, well, then they may still die, but you've delivered your own soul. And he told that to Ezekiel. And I was saying that this is the way it is with the body of Christ and specifically ministers. It's true of every member of the body of Christ, but it is specifically true of ministers that we have a responsibility to sound the alarm. And I, one of the lessons that I learned from this election cycle is that even though I've done more than I've ever done, it's encouraged me that, man, I've got to step it up. I've got to, I've got to speak out and be even bolder. You know, I've said a lot of things last week that I guarantee you are going to get me in trouble. If you've missed any of that, you ought to go back and watch some of those programs. I'm, I'm going to be criticized even by people who are friends of mine even by people who love me, because they just don't believe that you should speak out. You ought, to, you ought to kind of tiptoe around some of these subjects. You don't need to just say that this is sin. You don't call things sin anymore. You might say that, you know, there's a better way or try and present it in a positive way that will draw people. I tell you, I could say a lot about that, but I'll have friends that come out and criticize me. Hopefully, if they're really good friends, they won't totally forsake me. But there will be Christians that will come against me. And, the, you know, I, I saw something on the Internet where they had a clergy member standing there with a rainbow colors around his neck. And it wasn't because he was celebrating the covenant that God made with Noah. It was because he was promoting homosexuality and saying quote-unquote, from Scripture, that it is the right thing to do. And I even saw some woman that had her collar turned around backwards that said something about that the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah was God's approval of homosexuality. I, I never did figure out what she was trying to talk about. But look at this in Matthew chapter 22. I'm, what I'm doing today is addressing the Christians who sit here and say, well, yes, I agree with you that these things are wrong, but we shouldn't point it out. That's going to offend people. You will hear people say things like, well, I, I know that my neighbor, you know, they're practicing homosexuality. I've got a neighbor that is a homosexual, and I've gone over and helped him. When our electricity went out, I went over to check on him, see if he's okay, brought him firewood. I've done things. I'm not against the homosexual. I do not treat them bad, but I guarantee I'll speak the truth to them. I'm not going to sit here and there, there's people that think, but I just don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. I was actually talking to a pastor one time who is in San Francisco, and because he pastored a mega church in San Francisco, I asked him, I said, uh, do you ever speak out about homosexuality? 
Is it, is it a problem? And he said, oh no, God has given me wisdom. I never mention homosexuality. I don't want to say anything that would make a person feel uncomfortable. I want the homosexuals to feel free to come to church, hoping that they will hear the word and eventually they'll get changed and they'll, they'll change their lifestyle. And I can understand that to a degree. I don't think that we ought to go out of our way to just confront people and to blast them. And every time they get around that we take that opportunity to somehow or another bring up what we think is wrong in their life. Yes, we do need to love people. But I told this man, I said, let me ask you this about your children in your church. He had a large church. And so he had lots of kids in his youth program and in his children's ministry and stuff. And I said, do you ever teach them what the Bible has to say about biblical sexuality? What the, what the Lord said about marriage being between a man and a woman, not between two women or two men. I said, do you ever teach your children? And he said, oh, no, no, we just never mention these kind of things. We don't want to be controversial. And I told him, I said, I can guarantee you those kids are going to public school. And in public school, it's not only being mentioned, it's being taught as an acceptable lifestyle, and they are ridiculing anybody that has a traditional view of marriage and sexuality, and they are having this stuff crammed down their throat. There's somebody that may disagree with that, but I have been in a battle at the state capitol in Colorado on this very issue, and I can guarantee you, if you don't know that this is being taught in schools, it's just it's not because it's not being taught, it's because you are unaware of it. You need to get involved and you need to do something about it. So I told him, I said, I, I can guarantee you all of these kids are going into public school and they're hearing that this is an accepted lifestyle, that, you know, Susie has two mommies and that's a book that they use. And I may have gotten the title wrong, but that's the point. And they're being taught these things and it's being put into their libraries and it's being promoted as being normal. And I told this pastor, I said, in the absence of anybody who's a Christian standing up and countering all of these lies and deceptions that are being told them. I said, what are these kids going to do if you don't have a choice? If, you, if this is all you hear, if the church doesn't stand up and teach what biblical sexuality is, well, then how are these kids going to have a choice? And he says, well, I never looked at it that way. It just astounded me that a pastor of a church had never looked at it that way. He was just really thinking from his own standpoint. He didn't want the controversy and the criticism. And I can guarantee you there's a lot of Christians today who will criticize you if you stand up and say something is sin and it's wrong. I tell you, I'm a grace preacher. I know some of you, if you just tuned in today, you may wonder about that. But I teach grace as strong as anybody. I believe in forgiveness and I believe that God loves us independent of our performance. He loves us because He is love, not because we are lovely. And I teach that God loves us and sees us when we're born again. He sees us in our born again spirit and doesn't deal with us according to the flesh. I believe that. And I preach forgiveness and mercy, but that mercy is extended towards those who will receive it as Jesus being their Savior. They first of all have to admit that they have sinned. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9. But you have to confess it as sin. That word confess means to say the same thing. You have to say what God says about it. You can't have a parade 
and brag about homosexuality and transgenderism and say that this is godly and this is good and you can't do that and at the same time be confessing it as sin, saying the same thing about it that God says. I, pre I believe in forgiveness and I believe in mercy and God loves you, but He loves you because of what Jesus did, not because of what you're doing. And unless you're willing to humble yourself and acknowledge that you have sinned and come short of the glory of God and accept Jesus and His payment for your sins, accept Jesus as your Savior, well, then God is not pleased with that. God isn't pleased with you if you are out here living in something that is a complete... Uh, abomination to the Lord. Anyway, I could probably say more about that, but th I was trying to get to this verse in Matthew chapter 22. And it says in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 35, then one of them, which was a lawyer, asking him a question, tempting him and saying, you know, I've been dealing with a lot of lawyers lately. We've been in a lawsuit against the government standing for our rights, and we've been ruled against, and, and uh, I'm just amazed. This was a lawyer that came out against him, parsing words, trying to trip him up, trying to catch him in something. And this, ma he, this lawyer said unto him, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus answered him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so he was trying to trip Jesus up. Jesus actually went beyond his question and even told him that the first commandment is love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. But the second is like unto it, you love your neighbor as yourself. And people have taken these passages of Scripture and others like in Matthew chapter 5 where, you know, if somebody smites you on one cheek, you turn the other cheek also. If they take your coat at the law, well, then you give them your cloak also. That you just, you know, you're, you're passive is the way they've interpreted this. And they're totally misunderstanding Jesus because Jesus is the one that in John chapter 2 made a whip out of these cords and beat the money changers and drove them out of the temple. And then he did it again at the end of his ministry, the last week of his physical ministry here on this earth. He did it uh, during that Passover week in Mark chapter 11 and drove the money changers out of the temple. This shows you it wasn't a flesh flesh. Of course, Jesus never did sin. He never did anything that was in the flesh. He was totally controlled and dominated by what his father wanted him to do. So Jesus didn't sin, but just in case anybody had a question about it, it wasn't something he did on the spur of the moment. It was detailed. It took time to take these cords and form a whip out of it. And he did it not once, but he did it twice. And yet there's people that say, but you're supposed to be passive like Jesus and just turn the other cheek. Well, there was a time that Jesus told us to turn the other cheek, but there was a time that he also drove the money changers out of the temple. There was a time that he told Herod, he says, you go tell that old fox. You know, I was amazed when uh, President Trump called the MS-13 gang members who had been raping and murdering people, and he called them animals. And people just blew up. You can't say something like that. Jesus told Herod, you go tell that fox. He called him an animal. 
And then he talked about the scribes and the Pharisees. He says, you're hypocrites. You're vipers. You're snakes. You're like a whited sepulcher. You're all painted and pretty on the outside, but inside you're full of dead men bones. That's the same one that said not to speak evil and not to do these things. There is a place for us to stand up. And I believe that the way that you rightly divide this is in James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We aren't fighting against flesh and blood. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. We're fighting against demonic powers. And you have to get violent, angry against the devil. You have to resist the devil, but you don't fight people. Now, sometimes if a person is totally given over to the devil and has just, I mean, they are doing the devil's bidding 100%, it may be impossible to separate the evil that is motivating that person from that person because they are so closely united. But as much as possible, you need to make it clear that you don't hate the sinner, you hate the sin. But sometimes if people have totally embraced that sin and are now promoting it and they have identified with it, there may be times that you have to stand up and resist that sinner too. And this is what Jesus did when he drove the money changers out of the temple. But I believe that the way you rightly divide this is that we are resisting evil, not people, but I'm resisting evil. I'm not condemning people. But I am telling people the truth because it's the truth that sets them free. And you have to recognize that the lifestyle that people are living, the things that they're doing, they're evil. They're wrong. It gives place to the devil. And Jesus is a great example of a person who, when he went before Pilate, he didn't defend himself. He turned the other cheek. He allowed people to take advantage of him. But boy, when he was fighting the devil, he spoke against those religious spirits. He called them by name. And there is, there's a balance between this. You know, I'm eventually going to get to some other scriptures here. I'll probably have to do it on tomorrow's program. But let me turn over here and share this verse, verse with you out of Ephesians chapter 4. And in verse 26, it says, uh, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And then the next verse, neither give place to the devil. Did you know most people have interpreted this as God knows that we're just human and that we're going to make mistakes. And so you will get mad. Sometimes you'll lose your temper. God allows that. And it's not sin unless you allow it to go over 24 hours. Just make sure that when you go to bed every night that you get that sin confessed and over with. That is not what this is talking about. This is saying be angry and sin not. In other words, there is a godly type of anger. There's a type of anger that is not sin. God gave us the capacity for anger. I don't think anybody, I don't think I have to argue with anybody about that. Every person watching this has gotten angry at someone or something before. We all have a God-given capacity for anger. It's a human trait. And anger in itself is not wrong. It's wrong when we use that anger against people. Again, I go back to a verse I've already quoted, but Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, we aren't fighting flesh and blood. We aren't fighting people. We are fighting principalities and powers. 
rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. It's Satan who is using people and speaking through people and pouring forth his, his vileness and his wrong thinking, evil stuff through people. We should resist those demonic powers, but not the people. We love the people, but we love them enough that we're going to tell them the truth. And so this is what it's talking about. Be angry. There is a godly type of anger. And then it says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. That's saying, don't ever let it go to sleep. Don't ever put it to rest. Don't ever let it go dormant. You got to keep yourself stirred up. If you don't stir yourself up, you're going to sink to the bottom. And sad to say, we've got a lot of passive Christians. We've got a lot of Christians that will not take a stand, even though they know what the truth is, even though they may agree with a lot of the things I'm saying. There's, there's people watching this program all over the world that you would never say what I'm saying because you don't want to suffer the criticism. You may couch it and you may try and make it look better by saying, oh, I love this person so much. I just don't want to offend them. And that may be a part of it, but to the, to the biggest part of it is basically you just don't want to suffer the possible consequences. You don't want to be persecuted for speaking the truth. There's a lot of people watching this program right now that you say you've never been persecuted. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Yea, all those who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you are a Christian, and if you aren't being persecuted, if nobody has ever criticized you, separated you from their com company, rolled their eyes at you, said something critical about you, it's because you aren't living godly. And you may have some godly values and opinions, but you aren't expressing them. You aren't living them. You're hiding your light under a bushel. If you live godly, you will be persecuted. If you aren't being persecuted, it's because you aren't living godly. Now, I'm not saying that you aren't born again, but I am saying that you've been lulled into passivity and cowed into not taking a stand for something, and that's wrong. You need to stand up. And that's what it's talking about. Be angry and sin not. There is a righteous type of anger. Don't ever let it go to bed. And then it goes on to say, and give no place to the devil. If you are passive and if you aren't stirred up, if you don't hate sickness and poverty and divorce and adultery and murdering of children, and if you don't hate these things, if that doesn't stir something up on the inside of you, you are giving place to the devil. I've ministered on this before in a church, and I actually had the pastor say, we don't get mad at anybody, not even the devil. Well, that's the problem. The Bible says you're supposed to abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and every evil way do I hate if you don't hate evil, if you don't have an anger to see people's lives that are being destroyed, then you are giving place to the devil. We've got a lot of materials here. I encourage you to listen to our announcer. He's going to give you some information about how you can receive them. And I promise you, this will not only stir you up, but it will equip you to be able to speak out in love on these matters to other people. So I think it'll really help you. Listen to our announcer as he gives you more information about these products. And then please call or write today and join me again tomorrow for the gospel truth. 
Andrew's new teaching titled, Where Do We Go From Here? Lessons from the 2020 Elections is available as a CD or DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. Included in this four-part album, you'll also get the America on the Brink panel discussion and Andrew's race relations discussion. The America on the Brink panel discussion includes Andrew Womack, Tony Perkins, E.W. Jackson, General Jerry Boykin, Bill Federer, and Janet Boynes. The race relations panel discussion includes Andrew Womack, E.W. Jackson, and David Barton. Both panels share a biblical perspective on important political matters in our culture today, such as racism, riots, Black Lives Matter, homosexuality, abortion, and more. On today's program, Andrew also mentioned the theatrical DVD titled In God We Trust. This patriotic DVD features reenactments of significant American historical events along with inspiring musical numbers. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get these products. We want to say a special thank you to the Grace Partners of Andrew Womack Ministries. Your gifts make it possible to put free ministry materials into the hands of many people in need. If you're not already a Grace Partner, we ask you to pray about becoming one today. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources. Or you can call our helpline at 719-635-1111. Our helpline is open 24 hours a day, Monday through Friday, and from 7.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. Saturday and Sunday. To write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. We'd like to point out Andrew's upcoming speaking schedule. Mark your calendars to come meet Andrew at one of these events and let the Word of God transform your life. In the month of February, join Andrew and guest speaker Jeremy Pearsons in Orlando for a Gospel Truth Conference. Next, Andrew will be speaking in Naples. In March, Andrew will be speaking in Oklahoma City and El Reno, Oklahoma. Then, come join Andrew in Woodland Park for our annual Karis Bible College Men's Advance. Guest speakers at this event include Hall of Fame and Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy, along with James Brown, Emmy Award winning broadcaster on the CBS and NFL networks, and the CEO of Andrew Womack Ministries and Karis Bible College, Billy Epperhart. And in April, Andrew will be hosting a special Easter season production titled God With Us in Woodland Park, Colorado. God With Us is the original love story of a passionate God on a relentless quest to rescue his people. Also in April, Andrew will be in Woodland Park to host the annual Karis Bible College Campus Days. For more details on Andrew's next meeting in your area, visit our website at awmi.net. Hello, this is Andrew Womack, and I'd like to encourage you to check out our Gospel Truth TV. That's gospeltruth.tv. It's an internet-based television network, and you are not only going to get my teaching, but you are also going to hear instructors from Karis Bible College. You've got well-known people on there like Kenneth Copeland, Creflo Dollar, Jesse Duplantis, Keith Moore, 
These are all people that are friends of mine. We have differences and variances, but we're all preaching the same thing, and it's a safe place to be. You are going to be blessed. So check it out. It's 24-7, gospeltruth.tv. Did you hear about our website? We designed it with you in mind. Now you can browse on all your mobile devices. Everything is where you would expect it to be. And if you can't find something, the search bar will. It's fast, easy, and it just makes sense. Check it out at awmi.net.